Long past the hour for quitting labour, amid the smoke-filled haze of the south gate, the after-lodge crew continues to linger in the rubbish of the temple, under the watchful eyes of right-worshipful Grand Censor Bob. Not recognised nor endorsed by any grand or subordinate lodge of regular masons, irregular masons, co-masons, Canadian masons, or internet wannabe masons, they banter on as always. Puffing cigars, drinking stale coffee, making terrible jokes, studying agency law, spreading the intemperance and excesses of digital masonry, and generally disappointing all seven of their podcast subscribers. Do yourself a favour and stop listening now. Only trolls and masochists dare to eavesdrop upon this after-lodge banter. Too late now. I done pushed it. Welcome to episode 238, I'm told. 230, or wait. <laughs> 239. It's 239. Yeah. Uh, that sounds right. Watching the YouTubes, which I don't think there actually is anybody because we're late tonight. Um, there might be a few. Uh, those of you watching the YouTubes, I titled this episode 230-something. Like, literally 30-something because I've lost count. I'm behind so many shows that need to get shipped out the podcast channel. But we're going to catch up with that. So this is After Lodge Harlan, joined as always by Worshipless Producer Bruce. Good evening, everyone. The one... The only, well, I was going to say often imitated, but no, that's not it either. Uh, Sir John. Yay! The Pinko. <laughs> Why is your camera just like pink? Uh, that's my, so I had it going through my uh, camera on my laptop and I didn't have tape to put over it. So, but I had a section of a pink post-it note to cover up my camera with. So that's what I used. Ah. Oh. Doesn't have one of those little slidey things. It's a MacBook. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. My uh, my company started issuing HPs, and they. they oh, my, my work HP has it. I mean, yeah, it's handy. Um, I've, I think I've got a few. I can send you one that you stick on there and slide. Anyway, um, I'm easily sidetracked this evening, and uh, it's mostly because I I was just delivered some devastating news uh, by the <laughs> by the one and. And only uh, Father Tony Silva, who's with us this evening. <laughs> hello. <laughs> say hello. Ah, Tony, welcome back. It's been a it's been a long time since we've we've had you on. How long has it been? Um, uh, yeah, I, it, all days uh, run together for me now, and <laughs> time is meaningless. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Welcome back. Are are you still Thank doing you. this uh, this masonry thing? I, I understand. Uh, after fashion, yes. Um, since we last spoke, um, I have left quote regular Freemasonry, and now I am doing uh, Memphis Misery as my Masonic. Uh, okay. Church. Okay. So hmm. I have heard of that. You have um, my full attention. <laughs> yeah. So uh, like, what are we going to talk about tonight? <laughs> we've. Uh, we had you on on April twentieth, two thousand seventeen. So uh those heady days. Almost three years ago. Yeah. That was before I was on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you want to blast from the past, Tony, that was episode one hundred sixty-three. Wow. Uh, entitled "The Other Father Tony," <laughs> because we have the angry chaplain, who's mm-hmm. also Tony, can't be with us. Uh, he's taking care of some family things. Um, but 
I, I want to hold this Memphis Mitzrayim thing because I'm super curious about that. And go back to the devastating news that you delivered me right before I hit the go live button. So I've been thinking for the past <laughs> three years. Every now, our listeners know I'm a, I work in cybersecurity and one of my favorite podcasts, besides this one, of course, is uh, Steve Gibson's Security Now show that he does every week, like a champ for what, 15 years now? Anyway, he does that with Leo Laporte of uh, Screensavers and Twit.tv fame. And whenever Leo's gone, there is a Father Tony from the, I thought it was the Yoanite Church. I don't think he's ever actually said on the air, who fills in. And so I made the association after we had you on the show. And then I was thinking, I, I, I was just on a podcast with a guy that knows Steve Gibson, like in person. And I didn't get to go all fangirl. So I've been no. looking forward to this night for weeks. <laughs> and then right before the show, Father Tony drops on me like, I, I, I ain't that guy. Yeah, that's, it's not me. It's not me. There's Sorry, I can go if you'd like. Father um, Tony, I got five bucks. It says that's Rossbach. Just using your name. <laughs> it wouldn't be the the first or the last time either. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> there's a funny story where I was used as a character in a Russian state propaganda newspaper. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. It, entirely. Um, Entirely wow. weird. Uh, Sputnik News, which is this you know Russian state propaganda news outlet, um, published an article about uh, this historic meeting between the Pope and the um, the head of the Orthodox See of Constantinople. And they were going to meet, and you know, like it was like it was this historic meeting of uh, you know, and they were going to talk about maybe reconciliation. It was going to be super uh, interesting. And they just quoted me, uh, like they attributed this quote to me. It was like. Uh, this is a very important moment for both churches, and I hope yada yada yada. Father Tony Sylvia of the Joanite Church, and I'm like, yeah, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. People like to use my name for stuff. So wow, <laughs> you're big in the Kremlin. I guess so. I mean, it's news to me, um, but you know, for when the, for the NSA that is listening, I am a loyal patriot. <laughs> well. You're just full of surprises this evening. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, maybe we shouldn't wait three years between catch-ups. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, now that I'm, I'm recovering from my, my heartbreak, I, I, that was actually the only thing I, I had to talk about tonight, was how, how do you know Steve Gibson and why did you not know him? Oh, we went to high school together. He's a good dude. He, he You're not that old. <laughs> no. Um, so, so Steve Gibson is the author of the Spinrite program, you know, of like late '80s, early '90s origin, and he was pretty well seasoned when that happened. He's he's been at this a while. <laughs> he's I actually don't know how old he is, but Would like Vince Cerf, his mentor then, or what? So, in 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 IT terms, he's he's one of the ancients. Um, right up there with the the folks at Bell Labs. I mean, maybe not that ancient, but one of the ancients. So I, I doubt you went to high school, but I was going to go all fangirl. Now I'm just scrambling for things to do. Y'all, y'all want to talk about, uh, <laughs> I want to talk about my, my growing religiosity where I'm, I'm trying to be a, a respectable, pious human being and failing miserably. I think I, that's why we get along. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's well, that. If it were uh, easy, everybody would do it. Right. So <laughs> right. there's this, in religious literature, there's this 
thought that recurs about who's actually the more pious guy, the guy who's just naturally a good guy and always does the right thing by instinct and never wants to do anything else. Or is it the guy who's a complete and total up and is trying not to be and spends his whole life struggling to screw up less? Who's really the more pious guy? So I, I, I take that to heart. Like, you know, we're better people for struggling against our inner nature and cynicism and yeah. So, um, on that note, struggles and so on, uh, Memphis Mitzrium is, uh, an organization that I seldom hear about outside yeah. of like obscure Scottish Rite tombs that I've never opened. Cause when I'm in the library, I'm looking for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that's, that's, that's not, so that's not Bill Schnobeline's organization, is it? Uh, no, because no, um, he was a 99th degree in the right of Memphis. Is that something else? Vampire uh, wizard. Yeah. It's a, no, it's it, it, it. There is a complicated history to Memphis Misrium. It it started as two separate rights: the right of Memphis and the right of Misrium, and then it merged at some point. But then over the years, there have been a lot of reconstructions, and um, I think Allied Masonic Degrees holds the kind of official. Uh, Memphis Misrium, and they don't, I mean, they only offer it uh, as Grand, uh, exemplification. Grand College of Rights. Oh, Grand College of And that's just a, yeah. a bookstore house, essentially, because I'm a member of the Grand College. And yeah. Those are the first books I could, I bought that I, once I got on board. So, yeah. Because I'm going to go ahead and get the big point out of the way is I'm just going to assume that, that Memphis Misrium is not regular in any, what we would call regular jurisdiction. So, yeah, no, not in okay. um, UGLE affiliate uh, lodges. Um, Doesn't mean it's not legitimate. just means it's not, quote, regular. And, right, and right, I right, wanted right. to throw that out there for our listeners because some of them before they really have a bent up on that kind of thing. Right. Well, I want to be accused of peddling matters. false information. Yes. And to complicate matters, the uh, Memphis Miserium stream I belong to is even further removed from uh, you know, so so-called mainline masonry. I guess that um, you know, it's it, if you didn't know what you were looking for, it would be unrecognizable. So fry- <laughs> but we can get into the details in that later if you want. So you don't you don't like fry your fish. You you bake it when you sell it to the public, or I bet they uh, make yeah. waffles. Yeah, we we do in fact make waffles, Belgian waffles, what? with that little thing that flips. Last cool. one. You drink absinthe <laughs> while you're at it. You <laughs> All right. Uh, so where's my petition card? <laughs> so what? What is it that? Um, I don't want to say. Uh, I want to put words in your mouth and say drove you to the other this other right. But like, what is it about that right that's that's drawn you in now? Because I I know less about this than I do about the York right. And unlike the York right, I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to make fun of it with reckless abandon because <laughs> you're not John and. I'm John. <laughs> yeah, so um, the Memphis Miserium, as it has been historically practiced, was a kind of you know like a Masonic rite that you would you would recognize as as one of the kind of higher degree, um, not necessarily social club, but um, less focused on degree work orders um 
there because there were uh, uh, you know 93 and 97 or or whatever the original numbers were for the two separate rights before they merged i forget how many there were there ended up being 97 in the combined right that you know they were treated as um like in the scottish right today where you do a as my understanding, I was never Scottish, right? You do a degree for it, like the block of degrees, you know. So they they would treat the the right largely like that. Um, it is more uh, focused on esoteric uh, knowledge, uh, Rosicrucian stuff. Um, uh, you know, uh, not so much Kabbalah, um, but uh, a lot of the kind of Hermetic uh, stuff kind of got wound up in that some alchemy and, and stuff like that. So that was what uh, Memphis Miserium has been. The version of it that I practice is uh, a spin-off, I guess you'd say, uh, a creative uh, reinterpretation um, begun by the uh, um, a, a number of uh, voodoo practitioners in Haiti who were also uh, high-ranking Freemasons and um, Gnostic bishops and, and folks in that stream who kind of wanted to combine a bunch of different uh, esoteric streams together and kind of create a almost a super group of esoteric degrees to, to go together. And so that became a uh, the, the stream of Memphis Misery that Michael Bertio brought to the United States. And uh, he further developed it with more of the kind of uh, voodoo um, and Gnostic material, put it in uh, his esoteric order, the Monastery of the Seven Rays, and kind of pumped that out. Who And then another group took it in uh, Atlanta, the uh, um, Alan Greenfield and his compatriots, uh, uh, John Crow and, and folks like that, developed it further into a kind of esoteric anatomy, um, body energy work system. <laughs> and uh, that is more or less the version of it that I use. It's super interesting. <laughs> I know. I just threw a lot at you. I'm sorry. <laughs> really cool. So correct me if I'm wrong, Father Tony. Is there three different, basically, bodies of or or veins of Memphis Miserum within the United States? Because if I remember right, I've seen two separate, but I'm pretty sure there's three. I don't know if I could put a number on that. Um, or have they splintered off more than... As as with a lot of small esoteric orders and small independent churches are, are like this as well, um, sometimes uh, one of these fancy-looking things is just a website and a guy. Uh, <laughs> and so there are a number of those in the, you know, in the Memphis Miserium uh, sphere, also in the Martinus sphere and in the yeah, uh, sphere also. How does interrecognition work when it's when it's like that? Um, the well, short answer is it kind of doesn't. Um, the the well, it, it, similar in how in my church's relationship to the Roman Catholic Church, it's like we would certainly recognize their orders and, and uh, okay. their uh, baptisms and things, but they wouldn't recognize ours. Okay. Uh, in, in my system of Memphis Misery, and we would recognize, you know, any, any Mason who was properly raised um, as a, as a brother or sister in the, in the movement. So, um, but they wouldn't necessarily recognize us. So you, that's fine. So you mentioned, 
brother or sister, so <laughs> you, you folks would extend the same recognition to yes. the uh, co-Masonic groups? Yep, certainly. And um, the... All right. Well, let me let me back up. Um, yeah, the, we would we would recognize uh, men or women um, or any gender, uh, and the, that was essentially the reason why I decided to leave regular Freemasonry. Is I was I was uncomfortable um, belonging to a gender segregated organization, and uh, that was just a decision for me. It's not a, a comment on Masonry or anything, or you know, I, I, I certainly encourage everybody to belong to the groups that that make them feel comfortable but masonry wasn't making me feel comfortable anymore uh regular masonry so um i had had some experiences with memphis miserium years and years ago uh through um greg kaminsky and uh, a gentleman out of uh new jersey who was no longer around um and uh that kind of when i was thinking about what i was going to do masonically that was the immediate uh, thing that jumped to my mind. So, anyway, sorry for that tangent. <laughs> no, not at all. I love, I love that you were were obviously somebody who was interested in masonry, and despite not finding exactly what you were looking for, you were able to find this this kind of branch. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm particularly attracted to things like that. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> you know, like there's an organization out there that exists and it's functional and. Um, but they, their beliefs don't exactly line up with mine, so I can't do that when I have to go do the small niche one, and I oh, can't I mean, compromise. Do <laughs> you kind of a metaphor for the for your affiliation with the AJC? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, entirely. Like oh, I am but, willing as a person, I'm I'm more willing to um, work harder to find a group of people who I uh, identify with more than to kind of. Uh, water down my my thoughts in order to fit in with a larger group. I don't know. Oh, that that's, that's like my own. That's like my life story. That's that's how I've survived all this time <laughs> by doing the opposite of you. <laughs> um, but and look how far you've made it. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just uh, you know suck it up and shut my mouth and say things I don't believe and wada wada woo. You're a lawyer. And so he, 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 <laughs> um, I, I where is it going? Oh, I'm concerned about. So you as a, a thought leader amongst the Yonai church. That's very there, generous. A, thank you. There's an undue <laughs> amount of don't, don't make me go get your book. <laughs> an undue amount of influence <laughs> that, that your acolytes have in, in the fraternity as I know it. Uh, mm -hmm. Since I've started looking, I've been finding these, these Gnostics everywhere, like from your affiliation. Like they're all over the craft. Yes. Are they now all going to start? jumping over to the other right and leaving us because they're kind of a shot of of thought that that freemasonry needs and we can't <laughs> lose them so can you issue some so, kind of like decree that's like y'all gotta stay well um, i can't in fact issue a decree uh as you know the nature of this version's uh this version of memphis miserium that i do is it's uh it's a scientific illuminist method uh memphis miserium and so there are no hierarchies as a as a part of that so um i cannot make a decree however i can easily see a person uh, being a member of both uh, with no with no difficulty being being a member of memphis mitrium and the general craft 
yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Now, other uh, I feel like Grand Lodge Oompa Loompa types <laughs> will heartily disagree with you. Yeah, they'll, they'll um, we don't like publish membership rules or anything. We're not outing anybody. So, oh, you don't? No. <laughs> what? A, we're not that organized. <laughs> B, we're just not going to do that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So that's uh. So what's what steered you that direction versus, uh, like, the Martinist tradition? Uh, great question. I am a Martinist, uh, and as part of, you know, my uh, co collecting of titles, as it were, <laughs> um, unintentional though it may be, I kind of fall into these things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm a, I am a Martinist, and there is uh, some work being done right now by uh, some other Joanite, uh, Martinist, Memphis Misriumites, you know, little, little club of us, uh, to more fully integrate in the spirit of what they were doing in Haiti, more fully integrate um, what you might call regular Freemasonry, Martinism, uh, our own esoteric order called the Friary, which has been around for uh, some time, and, um, you know, uh, Enochian, um, Goetia, as a um as an experimental system and that's kind of the the basis of what we do in memphis Misrium is is it's a scientific method version of memphis Misrium with this esoteric bodywork and um voodoo and gnosticism so so when you say i, I don't let me know if i'm going a bridge too far here but when you say <laughs> a scientific method mm -hmm. so are you folks actually engaging in these practices or exploring them as part of a different practice. I know that sounds like a distinction without a difference, but mm. um, there's a group here in my town, uh, like a Masonic society, if you will. And we're in our early stages and, and there's a lot of headbutting about exploration of, certain systems or schools of thought is one thing, but actually trying to practice them is something like half the group's not going to stand for and the other half won't live without. Mm -hmm. So which, which direction are you guys, if you can say, Oh yeah, no, it's, it's entirely public. Actually, there's no, no restrictions okay. on it at all. Um, the, yeah, we are definitely the second, you know, we, we are aiming, we are aiming to uh, practice magic in that sense. Okay. Okay. But, and, and how all of that relates to the masonry and the voodoo and the Gnosticism is, is particularly interesting to me. Uh, so that's kind of what. Well, now I'm intrigued. Um, <laughs> so, uh, oh, sorry. I just got sidetracked with another hand sanitizer thing. Um, <laughs> my wife made the mistake of trying to purchase hand sanitizer today because we were out and, uh, I don't know how it is in your town, but there's been a run here. <laughs> you can't you can't find some Purell anywhere. I think I think it's funny that you point out there's a small, I don't know small, but there's a group within the AJC that is doing that and knowing some of the clergy and and listening to them over the last year or two and getting to know them. I'm sorry, my wheels are turning and I'm like, yeah, it's got to be him and it's got to be him and it's got to be her and it's got to be. It's because the 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 thought of it and the all-encompassing, um, I guess, bettering of the self that that all brings in together is definitely prevalent among members of the 
more so among certain members of the church, but overall within the AJC. So it's kind of interesting to hear it. I'm also, uh, so since John has started down this path, um, we've had several members of, of your church on the show and I ask each one of them the same question. Mm-hmm. The hell are you guys thinking? <laughs> you know this guy? <laughs> you know, um, uh, this is this might not come up sounding like uh, a, a positive statement, but it is. Um, we're getting large enough to the point where I don't really know John. <laughs> like we've yeah, never really interacted. Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, I'm so I'm gonna looking I'm gonna... forward to. <laughs> please give me all the dirt because I, I need that it. As an um, so there, yeah, there's an yeah. episode of this podcast that'll air maybe six months from now when we get done cutting out all of the things that shouldn't be in it. Uh, John came came oh, down no. to to our town all the way from his town to hang out with us uh, a couple weeks ago, and we we filled him full of bourbon, and he has spilled on that episode all the things that I think you should know. So we'll just make sure <laughs> it. just and it comes out. The- the unedited yeah. raw audio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah once Carl is done bleeping out all the f bombs, most of which weren't mine. It's okay. a Morse code episode. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. That is actually—it's funny you should mention it. Uh, we our church has an annual conference every year, and um, most of the clergy will give some kind of a presentation or, or other. Um, and it is a conference uh, primarily for clergy, although there's a, a lot of stuff there for the public to do also. Um, but uh, we record all of the lectures and speeches, or most of them, and the part that takes the longest is uh, editing out all of the swears from all the bishops uh, before we can release it. So, well, I probably wasn't supposed to we say know that out loud. I, I wasn't even going to say the bishops. I was going to just outright say the patriarch, because I've, I've talked with Yeah, yeah you know, we're, we're casual folk. Yes. Uh, I mean, I wish that we didn't have to do that either. You know, I, I come from a, from a, well, a culture, school of thought, whatever, you know, that uh, cursing means something different to non, well, I guess non-American Christians than they, than it means elsewhere. Like, there are no unholy words. Like, you, you just say whatever, and it, it's never phased me. Um, I remember... Oh, we- you just gotta get a good uh, on the show. Well, I remember our fir- our encounter with the Grand Lodge early on in this podcast's existence. Uh, very early on, we used to not edit the show because we thought we're all grown men here, and uh, like you know, this isn't a show for kids. Also, if it's so, true after Lodge fashion, there's going to be cursing. Yes, and. We even go so far right. as as in our podcast feed to iTunes in the beginning. Like we we had the not safe for work tag and like the eighteen plus stuff. It was all very clearly like this isn't meant for children. And so when I'm sitting in the Grand Lodge office filled with uh, men who are much my elder and, and hearing them so taken aback by you know language, it, it kind of took me back. Like wait wait really guys like this is. This is what you're hung up on. I thought we were in in deep in the hole because you know we were talking about things that are related to Freemasonry without the Grand Master's personal signature of approval. <laughs> Turns out, no, they were just upset because my old colleague Jason, who used to be on the show, uh, swears a lot. <laughs> so now we edit the shows, and it's fine. 
Well, I'll do my best then. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, to the problem. Yeah. Oh, no, don't, don't worry, Father. I keep them on his toes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's part of why there's such a backlog of episodes to be released. I can't <laughs> just hit compress, export, and publish. I, I have to... Uh, As a podcast producer and editor, I can appreciate the troubles. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I also have to realize now that I'm... Um, you know, I have my own clergy that I'm suddenly concerned with finding this this outfit. So I have to make sure, like, wait, is this? Uh, I'm I'm gonna say kosher and mean it as a pun uh, before I publish it. And uh, but that's that's relatively a new concern. Um, before that, I was just keeping the Grand Lodge off our backs. But I don't think any of them listen anymore. Um, the the Grand Master who just less than endorsed what we were doing. Uh, he wouldn't go that far, but he was a big fan of the show, uh, passed away recently. And I think he may have been the last of our purple people eaters who actually cared that we even exist. So I like it that way. We'll keep it that way. We'll, we'll try to piss off other targets like the, uh, <laughs> like the grand York right bodies and, uh, maybe the AJC, <laughs> you know, we'll, uh, we're, we're traditionally hard to piss, to piss off, uh, you know, we tried to start a war with Scientology, um, but uh, Bruce chickened one, out. One hears so. that it's easy. They deleted <laughs> yeah. that episode. Yeah, Bruce chickened out after the episode disappeared from our server. No, I chickened mm. out after they showed up at my house with a van. <laughs> <laughs> and this one's getting cut. Yeah. So, oh, look, that episode's gone. Have a good night, guys. So uh, we'll, we'll find uh, we'll find some other group. You know, there's uh, there's lots to be had. I keep telling you the KCs. Well, yeah, we've, we've, that's more of, I don't know. Can, is there a, Although they do have the backing of the, you know, yeah. Church of Rome. I mean, I don't want some like Opus Day guys rolling up in my, <laughs> in my backyard. They, they scare me more than the Scientologists. So maybe I watched one too many, uh, Dan Brown movies. <laughs> if you've watched one, you've watched one too many. Um, <laughs> Well, there was that was uh, Angels and Demons that was supposed to be all uh, this whole Masonic expose. And then maybe I should have read the book because I watched a movie and I don't think Freemasonry was mentioned once. Like, I feel like Nicolas Cage nailed the Masonic conspiracy. Well, stuff. no, Angels and Demons wasn't that one. Angels and Demons was the first book he wrote. Um, well, it was the second book, but it was the prequel to the, fir the first book that he wrote because he wrote them in, out of order. The lost symbol is the one that deals. The lost with symbol, it. yes. And that would be also Jeff the best of the Langdon uh, novels, welcome, in my opinion. Welcome to the show with uh with this just dropping in a, a corrective corrective mm -hmm. note and not uh, saying hello or anything. Uh, uh, hello Father, or anything. Meet, meet Jeff, um, as we colloquially call him, Big Jeff or Cartman or uh, that guy with the beard. Um, Hi, Jeff. Jeff, welcome. Hello, <laughs> Tony. Realize now that Tony and I are the only ones that actually show our face on the air, uh, and John is showing us his uh, his uh, lingerie. I think, yeah. Yeah, 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 just strewn over the camera. Well, I'm actually yep. on my computer with a proper microphone for once, but the problem is it's omnidirectional, so I keep having to mute my computer when or my mic when I'm not talking. It's good practice. We should do that anyway. That's good uh, microphone hygiene. <laughs> Problem is I do it and then I forget to unmute it and then I have like a five minute rant and wonder why everyone's ignoring me. More and then I usual. turn the microphone back on and it just continues. So he's not that's, wrong. That's my friends. 
deeply concerned about what I have to say. Um, Father Tony, are you spooling up Tacnosis podcast again? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and some, some changes, some new uh, volunteers, new faces. Um, I am stepping back behind the camera uh, to direct the episodes. And um, Jonathan, our producer, has been working hard to uh, kind of restructure things and, and make it so that the load is spread a little lighter. Um, I've had a lot of personal changes since the show started, so I've had less and less time to do things, and I've become a bottleneck. So we're uh, trying to... Oh, Harlan. I, I know that feeling. I know exactly what you're yeah. saying. Um, yeah. I was actually, since we were talking about being backlogged, I went back and counted, and there are seven, not counting one that Bruce has in his custody, that are out on YouTube, but you know, podcasts aren't YouTube. They're uh, mm -hmm. you know, podcasts, and I have not appropriately published seven of them now so uh i i i know what it's like to be the bottleneck and uh yeah well that's, that's kind of, yes yeah i i am behind as well i'm only behind one but it is now 14 months late so i, I don't <laughs> know if i win or you win <laughs> no my oldest my oldest is uh let's see one two three four almost five months late so but for us, that's a long time. Like we're a you're almost weekly so show. Far. <laughs> well, so I keep I keep carving out time to do this, and then life keeps saying, <laughs> "That's cute." Um, so mm -hmm. I'm working on it. And then I tried to try to get John to do it, and he gave me some excuse about you know I'm I'm trying to be a priest, and I got other things to do, and well, and I'm also like Jeff was like, I got a real job, and. Bruce just never returned my call. So here I am, bottlenecking. Well, Bruce works for the government. Don't make him do too much. I was going to say, I, I, I volunteered to do the one that John was on live, and I feel like editing that is going to take as long as you and the yes. seven episodes. Which yes. Are, it's really long. not fair. That shows, what was that show, like six hours long? It was like four and a half. That was a four okay. and a half, and the one we did the previous year was like four and a half. We had to split it into two shows. So we got a solid 45 minutes of publishable audio. There is at least an hour of good radio there. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, we'll have to borrow it from somewhere else, but we'll find an hour of good radio. <laughs> we'll, we'll, have to dub, we'll have to dub over John entirely, but it's going to be good. <laughs> so we were... Old cl clips of Nick Johnson over me. It'll be fun. <laughs> you know where I live. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> So I think we uh, we just touched on this, but I wanted to go back. So, Father, are you still running uh, the the vitriol shop? Yes, um, as okay. as much running as it needs. Uh, I, uh, I I relaunched it a few months ago and uh, put a few designs out there, added a few products that have been sitting around that I never got around to selling in any other form. Uh, so yes, short answer is yes. Uh, up and running, you can buy your, you know, Masonic themed, uh, novelty t-shirts. <laughs> I appreciate it. I always liked the, uh, I think I mentioned this, well, it's been enough years now that we can bring it up again, but my, uh, my other lodge, my traditional observance wannabe lodge, uh, is we wear the moniker of the lodge. And so vitriol is, uh, near and dear to our our heart and that's why i remembered your your shop name 
Uh, yes. Um, also, now that I'm digging back, uh, so your your podcast, uh, I think that was all I had. <laughs> and the AJC, um, and now Memphis Mitzrium. So what else are, are you going to be our uh, go-to subject matter expert on? Gosh. Uh, I know you do more uh, things. You're one of, those, <laughs> one of those guys that's into like 6,000 things. So renaissance man it's true uh, yes a renaissance yeah, yeah. jack of all trades master of none as they say i can Except appreciate I don't that. even know if i'm a jack of all trades um <laughs> yeah so I, I mean those those are kind of the the big ones that, at, at the moment um you know of course i've I, I don't speak officially for the church as, as a member of the hierarchy but um you know i have been around a long time so i i do know most of the dirt and uh where several bodies are buried um, so, <laughs> um, the, uh, the Memphis misery of stuff I am knowledgeable on to a certain degree, but not, uh, in a way I think your listeners would be super interested in, um, because, uh, we're not doing the, the more Masonic version of it. Like we're not doing the degree rituals or stuff like that, uh, as part of what our lodge does, but, you know, I also know a fair bit about Martinism and esoteric history in general. Um, the French Gnostic revival is one of my favorite topics. So I could I could go okay. off on anything. <laughs> um, well, the last time you were on, you you gave us the rough introduction to Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. Do we do we want to dig into the? Uh, to the Illuminist scientific method, because I'm uh, I'm intrigued, but we also have people who drive while they listen to the show, and I don't want to like cause accidents when <laughs> yeah. people doze off. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> that's, just, that's just Tony, and he's we know he's at home. We're fine. <laughs> that that's true. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just so if you guys aren't working degrees. Yeah, well, actually, I to can, go back to the early conversation, if you're not working degrees, I don't think Grand Lodges really care. Right, exactly. Um, um, the 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 part the the version of this uh, that we're doing is more voodoo and Gnostic than Freemasonry. Like, if you had to draw a pie chart of the three or whatever, okay. um, the because of the scientific Illuminist method. Uh, that means that people can take the system and kind of tweak it however they want. So there are certainly people in this uh, Memphis Mysterium stream who are doing the full-on Memphis Mysterium degree rituals, and they have, you know, collected all of the uh, the old degree material and in order to recreate the the rituals as you exactly all. as possible. Hmm? But that's not you all. No, not the way we're doing it. No, we we're more. Well, I'll, I'll just describe it to you and. Um, what we uh, we start off by um, in planning for the degree. Um, actually, I got to back up entirely. I'm sorry. Okay. So many people are going to fall asleep, and this is this is awful. <laughs> no, no, good. Good. This is this is my kind of content. Yeah, sit down. Believe it or not, this is what this is what most of the listeners are here for is what you're about to say. <laughs> okay, great. Then I'll, I'm about to blow some minds. Um, the uh, the energetic bodywork that I mentioned that this uh, system contains is called the Poichot, which is French for hot points. It's a Creole for hot points. Um, the the um, 
the voodoo tradition that this comes from is uh, traditionally used in creating spirit bottles or um, kind of spell work, uh, where a, a particular spirit will be bound to an object like a little bottle or a, a pouch or something like that, that will then do work for the person who uh, is carrying it, you know, like to cause good luck or to get a job or to, you know, uh, reflect curses, things like that. A lot of stuff that there's a lot of traditional um, voodoo practice involved with. Um, this kind of thing was happening in Haiti uh, in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, um, around uh, the 20s, um, I believe, if uh, the t dates aren't super great. Um, this uh, family of Haitian uh, voodoo saints and Gnostic bishops uh, became high-ranking Freemasons and kind of tried to incorporate all of their traditions uh, together, as I mentioned. The part that we take uh, from all of that is this show as the kind of primary um, uh, practice of our, of our work. It's um, instead of applying these things to objects, though, we're applying them to specific uh, meridians on the body that have uh, energetic significance. Now, before everybody says it's all woo and, and <laughs> turn off <laughs> the uh, podcast, um, it's, uh, it's a little more subtle than that. It's not exactly a um, – you're not treating it as a literal uh, spirit and a literal – uh, point on the body that's important, although there is some argument to, that can be made that this is uh, a practice for creating um, what is known in some esoteric systems as the body of light or the rainbow body or something like that. Um, it, it, stop me if you need a, a sub-explanation of <laughs> what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, these these points are given at various parts of the body as a kind of energetic empowerment, which then uh, you know contains a um, an essence of that degree, as it were. It contains kind of a uh, uh, a spirit, if you want to use that term, of the particular degree that we're working on. Um, Starting with the entered apprentice degree, you know, it's a it's a spirit that is concerned with beginnings. It's a spirit that's concerned with, um, you know, without uh, saying too much in the open, uh, you know, the working tools of the uh, entered apprentice degree, and then that is associated then with a particular loa of the voodoo system um, that uh, is as a group we kind of decide is uh, most suited to the work of that degree. Um, so the first four degrees are particularly important in our version of it. And, and they go um, Papa Legba for the first degree, which he's uh, concerned with opening the gates. And you pretty much always uh, call or invoke Papa Legba at the beginning of any uh, voodoo ceremony, because he is the one who is in charge of opening the gates and then introducing you to other uh, important spirits. Then uh, in the second degree is Papa Loco for uh, Fellowcraft. Third degree is Baron Samadhi for the Master Mason. And the fourth degree is Dumbalo Wedo uh, for um, what is in our system known as uh, uh, a perfect master, I want to say. I'm blanking. I don't have the – there's 97 degrees. There's a lot to keep track of. <laughs> sounds right. Uh, so in the in – the 
you mentioned <laughs> French origins or French associations, mm-hmm. and that sounds to mimic the Scottish Rites progression, at least through the first 30 or so. Um, and yeah, yeah. Master the, the folks who uh, were working on um, uh, the Memphis Miserium degrees in the later years definitely took a lot from Scottish Rite. Well, I mean, Pike took a lot from other places too. So yep. it's uh, but Perfect Master would be yeah, the right. fourth one. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, so you guys go all the way up through, you know, Intimate Secretary and yeah, yeah. Well, the the okay. last several degrees are, are considered to be honorary, but we do have points associated with them, hot points associated with them also. Um, so how do you find ninety seven points on the body though? Um, it was developed through a method of um, research and scrying as, as part of this, this scientific method. Okay. If, if your listeners don't know what scrying is, it's fa- basically um, trying to achieve a vision of something, uh, you know, supernatural or you Think know, Nostradamus. Yeah, exactly. Looking into the bowl of dark water and, you know, like seeing what's reflected. Um, so each of these degrees was. Um, scried by a group of practitioners who would go off and do their separate uh, ritual work and try to scry, you know, like what, where on my body do I feel this degree? And uh, they went off and worked separately and then they brought all their research back together and they kind of developed this uh, list with the help of um, uh, uh, some folks who were, um, uh, practitioners in why am I blanking on the acupuncture acupuncture so that a lot of the meridians that ended up being points were uh, could correspond to known acupuncture points uh, and it was used as kind of a, a jumping off point to make a long story longer so it's a an organization of folks who think about their craft so Yes. <laughs> More importantly, tell us about your fundraisers. Uh, for our lodge, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. We don't have, Fish we don't fries, bean, bean supper. Yeah. Waffle. We don't raise any funds. We don't have any dues. We're ice cream uh, social. Nope. None of that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, and uh, and it's entirely open to anybody who would like to join. We don't. Uh, we don't have any applications or anything. You can kind of just walk through the door. Uh, we'll take you until you start being creepy or something. If you're not taking the public's money for poorly prepared edible yeah. substances, you are clandestine. That is, <laughs> that is, That's the that is not my masonry. Yep. Yeah, no, uh, no fish. For that. I mean, I should say, um, I was, I belonged to, I lodged in uh, Jersey City when I was living in New York. So, um, I, now that I'm back in Massachusetts, we just had our first meeting of, of my lodge uh, last uh, what, two weekends ago. So we it's brandy new lodge, and, uh, and we're, we're working hard to to get it going. Okay. So what's the what's the span like across the United States of as far as lodges? How many? What states? I mean, in general. Uh, membership roster would be good too. Um, yeah, there are people who have this information. I, I am not one of them. Um, because of the nature of the free luminist model, it's very difficult to keep track of that kind of thing. Because, it, you know, quite frankly, anybody who wants one can, after a fashion, start a Memphis Miserium Lodge because there's no kind of 
holder of the keys of that in order to start a Memphis Museum Lodge in our specific stream um, it is generally considered good practice to uh, get a charter from the person who is kind of collectively uh, agreed to be the the holder of the authority to charter new lodges um, it was uh, Tao Allen Greenfield in uh, Georgia so um, that is to answer your question with several more questions, uh, yeah, there's there's no real there's no real canonical list of our type of Memphis Museum lodges, but there are uh, I can tell you a lot more than you'd expect all over the world. Um, you know, this is very popular in Russia and the Baltic Baltic states. Um, there is a, a whole host of South American uh, Memphis Museum groups who are practicing in the free aluminous system so it's uh are there are there any in old bavaria <laughs> there very well might be <laughs> here that's frowned upon there yeah maybe i know it's a lot like with martin disorders and i know there's four or five major in the united states you know finding their lodges is it's it's something you somebody has to pretty much tell you where they're at. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, once you come to understand that there is such a thing as this free luminous system, it actually becomes very easy to find. Um, the you know, there's a Facebook group that is you know monitored by lots of us, um, and just old fashioned like you don't see it anymore uh, because of the internet, but. Alan is particularly good at keeping Rolodexes of folks. So if uh, if you're from a part of the world that doesn't have a Memphis Miseryum group in the free aluminous style, um, you can post on that uh, that Freemason. Uh, I mean the uh, worldwide free aluminism group on uh, on Facebook, and uh, Alan will know a guy who knows a girl who knows somebody who <laughs> can help in that area. Um, so yeah. I am uh, definitely fascinated. Um, I mean, officially repulsed because I'm a good Grand Lodge citizen. Oh, and naturally. Obey my yeah, purple yeah. people leaders. Um, Harlan, I'll and be I do not encourage anyone to. Demit Saturday. Just, you what? I said I'll be turning in my demit Saturday. <laughs> Just I mean, you, you can try. I, uh, you got to find me first. <laughs> I mean, you have to be there at some point. <laughs> I suppose I do. Um, it's the joys of being a lodge secretary. You can't uh, can't just run off and join a different right. <laughs> Who processes the secretary's demit? <laughs> I bet there's a uh, these the, these are grand lodge edict on that somewhere. Somewhere secretary from like 1862. <laughs> the last time a secretary got the chutzpah to try to leave. Well, what what it's it's in his name was William ink. Morgan, by the way. You, you <laughs> don't, the secretary doesn't get to demit. It's in invisible ink. Uh, now that the constitutions have gone digital, if you highlight the white text, it appears. I, I see. Um, I don't know. I'll find out what procedure that Morgan guy followed, and I guess do that. Yeah, what could go wrong? I mean, he got away. He wasn't secretary anymore. <laughs> uh. All right. Speaking of which, we, we do have Lodge Saturday. I was uh, 
I was struck, and apparently I'm not the only one, that we didn't have a meeting this past Saturday because it's a leap year and February has five Saturdays. And uh, it never I, happened ever. Like, I can't remember the last time that would have happened five Saturdays on a February. I think it's every 28 years, I would guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's been a while since it happened last and I definitely wasn't a Mason. So I was freaking out trying to figure out how I was going to avoid packing a box into lodge. Um, you know, the box of shame. Mm-hmm. And then I saw in Slack, like all these guys popping up saying, uh, we're not, I'm not gonna be at lodge Saturday. And yeah. <laughs> and the uh, master being like, there is no lodge Saturday dummies. Yeah. I was, I was almost one of them. Fortunately, I saw that before I posted. So that would have been embarrassing. Um, this week I am going to attempt to be there since the libertarian party of Pennsylvania is hosting its, uh, annual conventions for delegate nominations who then go nominate our presidential candidate. Uh, cross your fingers for Jesse Ventura, everyone. Um, Oh, is he running for it? I have no idea. Actually. Um, I know I've been, Getting all these text messages because I'm. You mean Berman Supreme isn't going to get it? Maybe he's won in a couple, at least one state. I've partied with that guy a bunch. (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah, he's from he's from uh, New Hampshire. He's just from just north of where I live, and uh, I used to um, as a as an artist. I I was I went to art school. Um, Right out of college, I was the uh, gallery manager at a museum. And we used to have these events, uh, fundraisers and stuff, and we would just call him. Be like, hey, come to this party. Be like, yeah. And he'd show up with the boot and the seven neckties and the whole thing. He never took it off. Talk about vampire wizards. That dude's one of them, too. Yeah. I mean, right now, he's looking pretty promising. Um, (laughs) I've been getting text messages since I'm traditionally a national delegate um, from, like, all these candidates it's not actually the candidates. It's their campaign thing. Like, you gonna be at the convention this weekend. Um, and, and I've yet to actually be that excited about anyone. It, it's like, we've, it's like my party's fallen. We've always been a, a, a an eclectic bunch as far as politics is concerned. Um, but traditionally we, when it gets late in the presidential nomination season, we, historically say okay it's it's been fun but like really who's who's gonna be our candidate now but it's almost like this trump hysteria has infested even the libertarians and so now there's a number of delegates who almost seem like they're trying to to find someone who can go toe-to-toe with the crazy and i I don't think that's going to go well for us so we may very well nominate vermin supreme um it, it it's Anyway, that's a long way of saying I hope to be at Lodge Bruce, but uh, I may be, I may be caught, you know, having dinner with the vermin. I understand. Uh, so we'll we'll Get see. A picture of his boot. Does he change boots, or has it been the, the the same boot the whole time? I would think a boot on your head doesn't get much wear. No, it's definitely different boots. Hmm. I've seen him in different boots. Yeah, I mean, how else are you? Gonna... He must have Does like he... a collection of boots. <laughs> Does he have like a dress boot? And then, like a going to yeah. the club boot. Yeah, he opens up his closet. Like, which boot today? <laughs> He's got an armor of upside down boots, just singles. Not no 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 pairs. He doesn't have a single pair of boots to his name. Just a bunch of one offs. 
Yep. You know, publicity is publicity. Um, when you're the when you're the third party, you gotta, well, <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. Bad publicity is better than being ignored. Bad press is still press. Indeed, uh, I feel like our our current chief executive has uh, shown everyone that. <laughs> Since there's there's not a news station anywhere in the world that I can't turn on right now and hear something about Donald Trump in the next ten minutes. And it doesn't matter what what news outlet it is. I promise it'll be less than ten minutes. So yeah, he's mastered it. It's uh. So we're, maybe we'll take a page out of that book, and we just need somebody who's in the news all the time. Here go Jesse Ventura, like up from your neck of the woods, John. It's uh. We elected him governor, resoundingly. Pretty loud. Until he resigned to go do his History Channel show on. Oh. That's still a thing. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't watched History Channel in a decade because I feel like if it is, history. I need you to send him an email and tell him he needs to look into this whole Illuminist scientist conspiracy thing that we just popped open right here on the podcast. <laughs> Exclusive. They're trying to take over the world. One. Uh, so one, don't need to, to three at a time. Get off the train load of fuckery that we've managed to. <laughs> Hey, delve ourselves onto. Tony's not here. I'm trying to make up for two or three. Well, that's true. We're missing our big Tony, who's a character and a half. Um, with regards to the how how familiar are you with the famil- uh the history of the Memphis right, Mism Mis- right, and then how they came together and all of that. Um, not very. Yeah, no. I unfortunately. Um... There are a number of places I could point people to, uh, you know, the works of um, uh, Robert Amblin in uh, in his collection of uh, esoteric writings has some information about it. Um, John Yarker d- does a uh, history in I don't know if it's a standalone book or as part of a, a larger work, but um, John Yarker writes quite a bit about the history of Memphis Miserium, and uh, he's easy to he's easy to look up, and his writings are available online. Um, yeah, but to the best of my knowledge, I'll do a quick overview. Um, right of Memphis was, uh, I believe first and, um, is supposedly created by the Count Cagliostro, a controversial figure. And, um, his group, uh, was, you know, strictly regular Masonic, uh, um, associated degree kind of stuff. Uh, and then another, uh, group of people created the right of Mizraim. Um The right of Memphis was called the Egyptian right. The right of uh, Mizraim was called the uh, Israelite right um, in some circles. They were kind of merged, and the uh, Israelite stuff uh, was shuffled away for the more exotic uh, Egyptian stuff, and that ended up being what uh, Memphis Mizraim became after the merge. Um, it is often called Egyptian right Freemasonry uh, for that reason. Gotcha. So I'm um, now. I think I'm more confused. I guess I've got some reading to do. How? So there's there's a bridge missing between Israelite or Egyptian rites, particularly of masonry, and then forward to Illuminism and Voodoo. Yeah. Okay. And I feel like there was yes. some evolution in the middle. 
Yes, there was certainly, and it took place in Haiti. Um, the the uh, the Jean Main family and their uh, their group, their esoteric group, um, as members of a kind of more standard Memphis Miseryum Lodge uh, out of the French tradition, specifically because it's Haiti, uh, the Grand Orient of France. Um, it was it was for a, a while just uh, a regular. Um, recognized by the uh, the Grand Orient of France. Um, so it was spread to all of the French colonies as well. And uh, so as these uh, voodoo practitioners and Gnostic priests uh, became, um, you know, kind of high-ranking Freemasons, they saw the similarities between all of these things and how they could be uh, syncretized and, and improved uh, by working together. And so that is how the, the voodoo Gnostic stuff comes into this Memphis Miseryum system. And what comes out the other side is, is you know, very different. And then the free Illuminist stuff, um, because it's actually quite uh, rigid and, um, I don't know, controlled is the wrong word, but like um, more traditional Masonic stuff up through Michael Burdio in, uh, in Chicago, his version of Memphis Miseryum is more, formalized like that. Alan Greenfield is really where the free Illuminist part of it uh, gets incorporated. Um, Alan was a high up member of the OTO before he was uh, politely asked to leave for asking difficult questions um, that the OTO leadership was apparently unwilling to think about and answer. Um, so uh, hmm. he, he <laughs> can, can you imagine an esoteric group having infighting? Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, <clears throat> That's, so, but that's like bi-weekly for the OTO, if I remember right. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, I don't really follow them uh, much these days, so I, I don't really know. Um, but yeah, so the the uh, as he was leaving the OTO, he was um, kind of trying to develop this material as a, as a working right. Um, so he just decided to take it in this particular direction, this this free illuminist uh, kind of scientific method system so yeah it's super complicated and super weird and goes through many many steps but uh here we are yeah uh pretty cool i i guess i have the neat have evolution time. yeah uh so the egyptian rights just like i said prior to tonight was just one of those things that was cited or footnoted or whatever in some of the more dusty volumes yeah, in the yeah. Scottish Rite Library. And uh, I know it's it's not a – while your your lodge or system may be newer, um, the, the Rite itself is definitely not new. Right. Um, so I kind of want to go back to, to blow off the dust on some of those books again and just see from the that 19th century perspective where folks were writing about it and – I'm also curious why those volumes are in the Scottish Rite Library here. Um, I, I mean, I, I, from what I've heard, there's there's some synergy between the two, and, and maybe some even some common origin in 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 ritual. But I think by the time they were both established, they were completely separate organizations. So now, hadn't thought about it before, and now I'm like actually. There's a uh, there's a long tradition of um, 
esoteric practitioners collecting the works of other groups. Um, it's mm -hmm. the reason why we have the Nag Hammadi Library um, for the Gnostics. You know, the, this this treasure trove of of uh, ritual documents and scriptures that um, up until the 70s was unknown to the world, um, but uh, preserved for perpetuity by um, what traditional Catholic monks in the desert who uh, collected these books of obviously not very Catholic and not very acceptable works um, because they were the ones who recognized their importance. They were the ones who were educated and, yeah. um, and interested in these, uh, you know, the preservation of knowledge. And so I think uh, there is a long history of esoteric organizations and esoteric practitioners recognizing important works right. and holding on to them. Well, and, and I, I very much follow the, the old mantra of, of all knowledge is worth having, but typically the more structured, formalized Masonic rites haven't taken that approach, so to speak. Uh, I remember right after I joined the craft and I first heard about this notion that there were books that were banned like actually banned like it was a masonic offense to possess them <laughs> and, and Must wait have. wait, Must wait have. what i don't you believe have. we have a list like that in the grand lodge of massachusetts sorry i i, I have not so run we, across we don't saying anything about we don't anymore um i, I think that that was kind of on its way out way back in, in 07 when I found my way into the craft. So it, it, it's, um, but, but it, it's still alarming. And then, and then what I find is there's a history of the, the more structured rights, not being just collectors of anything and everything. If it's, if it's knowledge, it's worth having. Um, so taking me back to, to, talking in circles as I do. Um, if you listen to the show at all, mm. I'm now extra curious that, that there, these volumes exist in our Scottish right library. Like I feel like some, some white hat 80 years ago would have had those purged. Like, nah, this can't be here. Somebody might read this and get ideas one day. In, in our Scottish right library up in Minneapolis, I can probably guarantee we would have the exact same, text that you do down there because there's a width and dearth of all sorts of interesting books and treatises and everything else in that in that library yeah the cynic in me says that they're still there because you know they were covered in dust like nobody bothered to open the book to realize they it didn't have time to look through it you got to play on the fish fry yeah, <laughs> wasn't going to go that far, but yes, uh, the, the the cynic in me is a little bitter and thinks along those lines. Like, yeah, it's they couldn't be bothered to purge it out. Like, it no one's going to go here anyway. The the library is what we show the tourists when they want to come <laughs> and check out the temple. Um, I, I do remember being looked at funny early on in the Scottish Rite when I asked to make an appointment to be in the library, and the, we. We don't actually do that. Like, there's no one here during the day for you to do that. <laughs> and, uh, but now it's, now it's much more common. Like I'm rarely there, but there are guys in there all the time. So I think there's a resurgence across all of 
the bodies organized or less formally organized and uh, i'm happy to see it and and we appreciate you sharing uh your your new journeys with us that's i only wish i could speak more intelligently about it and uh this is this is i, I know uh yeah i almost we all come, come off sounding yeah. like a new age uh crystal person no i uh <laughs> no not at all so being that jack of all trades thing like you said i I, I try to be the joker of every suit and, and, and normally I'm pretty good at it. Like I can fake my way into conversations about a whole lot of things as long as they're surface deep. Um, but yeah, this one is, uh, I just, like I said, prior to the night beyond seeing it mentioned in citations, I've never actually inspected the, the Egyptian rites in, in any school. Mm. And, and now I feel like I should. So <laughs> that's something. Um, as soon as I can get my eyes back to read anyway, I just had, uh, my vision fixed for our listeners last week and, uh, reading isn't, isn't quite my strong suit yet. It's only been a few days though. So we'll, hopefully it'll get better. I, I think <laughs> they say it will. Um, I was trying to read a text tonight and like the words just started turning into these mushy blobs on me. Oh, oh, that's this bad. Put my trusty eye drops in, and I could read again. So, um, now I maybe look less intelligent. I gotta get some cool glasses to wear to academic occasions. Hey, you don't wear on prescription. Or you did last time I saw you. Yeah, I did tell the wife that. Like after I paid all this money for LASIK, and then I'm gonna go buy some non-prescription. Thick ass glasses to wear on occasions where I need to look like a nerd. Uh, people do that. I I only uh, recently learned that like there's a lot of hipsters who wear glasses that are just clear lenses. So this was news to glasses. Me. Yeah, it was complete news to me. I, I, being someone who's been stuck with them my entire life, I was like, who who would do this by choice? <laughs> Uh, I suppose it's easy to do if you don't stress out about it. Like if I lost my glasses, I would be instantly disabled. Like, yes. I, I Me too, man. Me too. I came from like 2480 to 2015. So it's, uh, it's been quite a, quite a jump in, you know, the 20 minutes I was in the, in the operating room. Uh, I'm still, still adjusting to actually being able to see things. Like you wake up in the morning, you reach for your glasses and then they're, they're not there. And then you panic for a minute and mm -hmm. you have to remember, I don't, I, I don't need them. Um, I've, I've got my entire life of habits to, I guess, un, unengrain. Mm -hmm. I still feel anxious in the middle of the day when I realize I can't find my glasses. So I know, I know what you're saying. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm leaning on John to, uh, to carry us forward in, in any kind of intellectual conversation. Cause I'm out of my depth with. Yeah. John, oh, you're, the, you're the, you're the fanboy here. You got any yeah. for, your, for your idol? <laughs> I mean, I could talk about Purim again. We were, we were talking about the I mean, Jewish drinking games before the show started. Right. Which got my attention. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's coming up next week. Um, Tuesday. So 
always always a good time uh if you have an orthodox community near you and are wondering why they're dressing in strange costumes and passing out drunk uh it, it is in fact a holiday and uh they are performing a good mitzvah <laughs> by being extremely intoxicated huh so how come um, our religion can't have any cool days like that harlan you've got mardi gras that's not a religious thing it's not i thought it was like the whole setup like it's that whole week right there's like fat tuesday well it's actually a reaction to the religious part of the holiday right like it's right. fat tuesday because it is the last day you can eat all the cool foods before you have right. to fast for 40 days so it's an anti-religious holiday <laughs> that makes sense we we do it the other way around i guess yeah there's the uh the fast of esther happens the day before purim where people are fasting you know to remember the people that fasted in persia but really i think it's just to make room for all of the stuff you're gonna eat the following day <laughs> jewish jewish holidays fall into two camps there's the uh we lost we should fast and then there's the we won we should feast yes <laughs> yes well except yeah. for the fast ones are usually followed with a large it's not technically a feast, but there's always food involved. There, there, there no even Yom Kippur, which is the famous fast, is then followed by a very large meal. So, um, we fast. Yes, right? We should feast. Yes, there's there's a uh, there's a synergy with the Baptists in that respect. I guess um, I've yet to I've yet to meet a a malnourished Baptist in my, <laughs> in my life. So I'm just still trying to figure out. Who of my people decided to put St. Patrick's Day consistently where it would land in the middle of Lent? They uh, they maybe had a different idea of what St. Patrick's Day was going to be when they. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is probably true. I feel I feel like uh, any of the any of the Roman authorities that might have encouraged the Fat Tuesday thing had a different idea of what it was going to become. And then the Cajuns got a hold of it, and well, stuff went south from there. <laughs> um, actually, there's there's the to, to tie back, right? Is there is there any of the the voodoo traditions tie-ins with Mardi Gras and the 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 whole Catholic holiday cycle there? Oh yeah, certainly. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, voodoo uh, by its nature is a fairly syncretic religion to begin with, so. Um, the 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 way that the Catholic saints are used as um, aspects of the Lala, the spirits, um, are you know is, is well documented. Um, the the you know Lala who can give you a certain thing is associated with a saint who has a similar you know kind of uh, purview in Catholic angelology and, and saintology. Um, the uh, the two are, are supposedly, I mean, they're not aspects of the same, it's very complicated. They're not aspects of the same spirit. There are two manifestations of the same spirit. So the saint and the spirit and the law are all the same. Um, and so on the saint's day, you do spell work for that particular kind of thing. You know, fairly standard, um, you know, magical practice for uh, tying, uh, tying specific days to uh magical significance so yes. that that mm -hmm. definitely happens in in 
Haitian voodoo, especially and, and other forms of African diaspora tradition. I think it's uh, I think it's a, a pretty common thread. So one of the cool things about the the Masonic perspective that you get by being part of an organization where we can have well discussions like this and guys from these kind of disparate backgrounds can be in the same place and talk about these things is you start to see all the common threads that that roll and you call it magic you call it tradition you call it whatever it, it there's these these similar patterns of of human spiritual behavior that mm. that have existed for well all time you know you talk about the calendar and and the saints that that has prominence on that day and and doing spell work when you break it down scientifically it's not really that different from well from the jews who 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 utter certain prayers from the right page of the Siddur, depending on what part of the calendar you're on in the annual sure. cycle and it's it's we don't call it magic we call it tradition but it seems like we were having this very same conversation yeah. at the at our at our inaugural lodge meeting and you know like the the uh, the phrase I've heard is, you know, religion is what we do and magic is what they do. You know, so it, it's like where you draw that line. And other people were making the argument that um, magic is something that is done to manifest change in the physical universe, whereas religion is something to the, be done to manifest change in the spiritual universe. So it, it, we had a, a very interesting discussion about it. That's what happens when you get a lot of esoteric geeks together in the same room, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> Oh, I, I think you're muted there. I am um, muted. Thank you for catching that. <laughs> uh, maybe in modern America, this isn't as unique because, you know, being a freer society, this kind of thing happens. But I still yep. think that's historically been a uniquely Masonic thing to be able to do. Uh, and, and a lot of the value, particularly before the 20th century, is in Freemasonry was giving men the ability to, well, to do this. Mm -hmm. um, that that everybody walks away a little richer, just just for the discussion. Yeah. And, and if you go further than that and start doing some exploration, it again all knowledge is is worth having. Um, so I, I I really do enjoy these kind of chats, and uh, it's it's a definite break from our well our bullshit and fart time that that sometimes <laughs> occupies George our Washington after logic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, our after logic experience. Oh gosh, that's a. Uh... Oh, I was hoping Scotty was going to be on so I could give him some hell about his. Uh... You know, somebody got that George Washington portrait that's in every American Masonic lodge, tattooed on their person. Like, I don't know who, but so bad. I'm hoping it's photoshopped and like somebody didn't actually get that tattoo no, on I'm, their body. I'm hoping it's Scott. I, I he he wanted to gauge our interest before he told him before he told us it was him. I, I well so so that conversation I feel like I need to recount it because it's show stick worthy. It is he posts this picture of this tattoo, and that was it. Like in our Slack channel, it's just somebody got this George Washington standing between the Boaz and Jockin columns with the all seeing eye. You, you guys have all seen the portrait. Mm -hmm. uh, for our non United States listeners, just look. Google George Washington Mason, and, and the first thing that comes up is going to be that thirty story. pictures of him. And, and, and there, it, it was a painting. Um, so my 
my response to it was no, that would be sacrilege. Right there. Yes, that, that. Um, and then I was also, Jews don't really do tattoos. And he went on to ask, you know, where in the Torah does it say thou shalt not get Masonic ink or whatever? And I was quick to point out, no, 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 no. The, the Torah, Moses has, has nothing to do with what makes that tattoo sacrilegious. And, and the horror I feel at the thought of it, I, I can't. It's it's a running joke on our show. Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to say I, I was uh, I was glad to see that th you know three years since I've been on this show it's still going. It's great. Well, so oh, yeah, lodges in, in our jurisdiction especially <laughs> every year <laughs> the Grand Lodge cycle happens and there's this this across the state discussion about the craft declining and people losing interest and we fix it with more Masonic education. And then well-meaning members of the craft go forth and try to do Masonic education. And every single time it ends with a presentation about George Washington was a Freemason. And, and you just do the, the head it's slap. It's the like, baking soda vinegar volcano of Masonic education. Yes. <laughs> yes. Except it's actually less interesting than the. <laughs> like, yes, he was a Freemason. And that's, I mean, that, that's really it. Like, and that's the thing is if somebody did a George Washington was a Freemason conversation and, and they somehow produced, which I've never seen this, maybe they exist. And if you're thinking about doing a presentation, go find something like this and then I'll be interested. If you had some like writings by Washington about his thoughts on Masonic philosophy and how that tied in with what he did in the founding of the country or, or, but no, it's George Washington was a Mason. He was a member of this lodge. He was master from this year to this year. And, and, and like, okay, that's Wikipedia article on George Washington as a Mason. I mean, that's cool. And I appreciate that you took the time to try to enrich the craft. But if you try that at our lodge, you, it's not going to go well. Like, <laughs> um, or this idea that Masonic education has to be confined to famous Masons or issues in the Grand Lodge that you're concerned with. Like Scott does this cool talk about the history of prohibition and the craft hmm. and why it's dumb and we should stop. <laughs> and it's actually really well done. And, and I like that he did that. But, but I'm always looking for education that's not so Masonic. Like, okay, let's maybe not more Grand Lodge issues about why this is good and this is bad. Or did you know that so-and-so famous person was a Mason? But what's your explanation of, uh, I don't know, the, the, the columns in the temple and, and our philosophical system around that? And maybe how that compares with with something in voodoo or, or you know, your own faith and, and things that haven't that, that aren't just trite at this point um and i realize i say that and then i don't practice what i preach because i can't think of the last time i did a masonic education talk because you got one next week on george washington <laughs> maybe no the last one i did was uh i think it was i think it was actually that i think i was doing a uh the fellow craft degree and and, and exploring beyond the lecture or maybe it was that really bad one that Bruce was there for the really bad one about uh, about neurological 
the neuroscience of meditation and the the dual the dual wave or the dual slit experiment that uh, that it, it was a couple of years ago there was that physicist that did the repeated the dual slit experiment but he had uh, these these buddhist meditators from the other side of the world and he was demonstrating with statistical significance that they could alter the random pattern of the photons emerging on the other side and, and he got quickly dismissed as quackery mm-hmm. even though nobody bothered to try to replicate the experiment just clearly that can't be true so we're all just gonna laugh him out of the scientific community and forget about it um and he's repeated it several times so i talked about that and like that that's the kind of thing i think maybe not that subject in particular but like that type of content when we on the show say we need Masonic education, we're talking about things that are going to help guys to, or, or girls, I guess, and, and the other rights, you know, they, they can do that too. Um, if not teach them something, inspire them to go learn something and, and make us better, wiser people coming out of the lodge meeting than we were going into it. That's what we I, like. I, I understand what you're saying, and I've been uh, fortunate to have been asked to speak at a number of lodges on a number of topics. I definitely do not want to do a presentation on Masonic history or, you know, something that you can get. Did you know George Washington was an Illuminist? <laughs> now you have my attention. <laughs> yes. Well, sure. Um, my, you know, my position as a priest and as a uh, thought leader, <laughs> so to speak. Um, <laughs> The uh, you know I I tend to give presentations on um, religious topics, and I'm always interested to see um, which of the uh, you know blue-haired older masons in the room are either falling asleep or giving me dirty looks about my my awful awful topic and how I should feel ashamed for not loving Jesus more or something. Um, but uh, I I would counter that. Um, yes, education is great, but for me, um, what I've been finding is that um, effective ritual uh, is a really great tool for sparking Masonic interest. And I don't mean... Um, of course. <laughs> I don't mean just like perfectly done ritual drama, like in the, you know, like the, that third degree was superb. I mean like actual effective... Um, life-changing ritual the the kinds of rituals that have impact on your your soul and your psyche and uh you know that's that's one of the reasons why memphis miseryum appeals to me so much especially in this form just my two cents no i i i can appreciate that i mean that's that's like saying that a good way to produce better physicists is good high school math um it's yeah I mean, not, now that you say that, it's like, well, yeah, of course. But <laughs> I was running on the assumption that that our ritual does that, which is not a good assumption. But um, um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, it can it, if it's it done. Can, absolutely, well. yeah. And I've seen a lot of uh, effective Masonic ritual in, in the which world. means not making goat noises. No, or like shitting a dude so hard he's fucking. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, there's a. There's a reason. I think I probably said this on the last time I was on the show that, you know, like the brilliance of the founders of masonry was that they 
required the rituals and and uh, and Masonic knowledge to be transmitted verbatim, word for word. Now, of course, we know that you know that nothing exists in Freemasonry that doesn't constantly change. But there's this kind of illusion of um, you know this is the authentic tradition handed down from King Solomon to us to this very day, and um, even if there's a whole generation of Masons who didn't understand the esoteric teachings that they were spreading, they were still spreading them. And I think that there's a generation of Freemasons now who are looking to unpack those hidden meanings that were intentionally left in there and intentionally transmitted for hundreds and hundreds of years to us today. Um, so that's my, that's my rant on that. Although you, you say that kind of dismissively as though the ritual in my little black book here is not the authentic words oh, handed no, down by King isn't. Solomon. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to tell me next? That it's King James even, didn't write the Tanakh? Yeah, it's not even it's not even authentic to 25 years ago. Uh, you know? <laughs> well, especially a, in his case, because his jurisdiction has like eight different variants. Uh, there's more than that. Yeah, so our, our jurisdiction actually doesn't have a standard ritual promulgated by the Grand Lodge. It's it's more of a uh, do what your lodge has been doing. Yeah, I think right. uh, part but of that, that is, is having that lodges that, is, that predate the, the Grand Lodge. It's the important part is the yeah. the narrative is the story about it. It's it's not whether it's authentic or true. Um, the the uh, the Joannite Church has a founding mythos that you know the Knights Templar transmitted this secret knowledge to this some random French dude in the 1800s who decided to bring out this secret knowledge to be public. Now, of course, that's horseshit, but the the actual the 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 importance of it is the story, is the myth. Um, myths aren't myths aren't important because they're true. Myths are true because they're important. I think is the quote. No, that's that's valid. I can buy that. I'm. Uh, I wanted to to. I just had a thought about the uh, the 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 Egyptian system, or, or Memphis Mitzrayim now. Since you talked about being the same as even a few years ago, the, the Master Mason degree in that system is that the 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 temple version or the Noahide version because the Scottish rite tradition is, um, is the Noahide. Yeah. I, I actually don't even know <laughs> oh. because we don't do the ritual in that way. Um, were we to do it, we would do the, the uh, temple of Solomon version Okay, uh, because of the, you know, the zeitgeist of our context of masonry. Um, right. So, so not yes. the Scottish Rite system or the French right. Rite system, I guess, to use appropriate vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and that is the beauty of this, of the way we do this system is, the, the, again, the, the myth of why we do it is more important than the reason, the actual reason why we do it. Um, well, so I like uh, it. Uh, yeah, uh, it's like yeah. you set aside it, when you're watching a movie, you, you, um, suspension of disbelief. And that's. That's the effective part of ritual. If you can suspend yes. your disbelief well enough to actually believe that King Solomon wanted you to kneel right there. I mean, founding mythos is important. Mm -hmm. um, not to to diverge into uh, into chaos 
magic because that's a whole other subject for a different right. day. Um, but that that's sort of that that working system too is is that that belief is fungible and and what's important for the inner working is that that you can buy into it even if it's temporarily. So, yeah, that's and I, I think I think religions have done that for a very long time especially amongst the clergy but now it's more common for lay persons to to actually get the you know this probably didn't happen the way that it's being recounted but does that really matter mm-hmm. um i guess i i automatically jump to the easy example that i use with our inner apprentices uh when they come into our lodge you know with the uh with the the well the genesis story for the origin of our species like the is there anybody who's not part of the Jerry Falwell school who looks at that and thinks that that is written history? And then once you get past the fact that this is the, the, the meaning of the text isn't in the, the story, but between the lines and that's okay. And so I, I, I hate to bum you out, but I hear that number is like 25% in America of of folks who believe in a literal creation. Yes. Well, that's the Jerry Falwell school. Yeah. But it's uh, a, none of them, that's a huge number of people. <laughs> I'm always impressed by the irony that none of them are Jews, by the way. Like that's, Oh, sure. That's always that's been that. amusing yeah. to me is like, intensely focused on, like, on Zionism, yeah. but not Jews. Right. Like that's, that's our book. Yeah. And none of us think that. So why? No, right. Why and they're not doing that? it for you either. They're not, they don't have your best interest at heart. Well, just like the, the the whole Genesis thing, like literal creationism, and and yeah, the the ultra Zionist Protestant wings. It, it, I always wonder these things, but to bring this episode full circle, uh, it's election year, and this is the the four year cycle where I'm reminded to never be shocked at uh, at the 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 level of moron that enough people can produce. Um, there's that men in black quote that we use here all the time that a person is smart, but people are really stupid. Um, there's a, like, um, there's a saying yeah. that I came across recently that I really love. Like, uh, and again, this is way off topic, but it's what I'm into right now. Um, there is no inner enemy, right? Like everybody's doing something for a reason they think is absolutely crucial. Um, and yeah. Be it, uh, you know, a little voice inside your head telling you something or, uh, you know, a lifetime of experiences like everybody is the hero of their own story. And uh, the, ah, the, Seneca. The, what, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, you know, like everybody's uh, I'm going to come off sounding like a um, middle aged woman on Facebook, but everybody's fighting the battle that, you know, mm-hmm. you can't see. And uh, I. I'm fascinated with how that plays out in, and, you know, specifically religious context, but also, uh, you know, increasingly in social and political contexts as well. I, I, um, I try, I, I've tried in my life not to be political, but I found that is very difficult. <laughs> All right. Well, um, fellas, it has been uh, longer than I thought. <laughs> Same. Time went quick. It's fun how that happens when when there's actually uh, something to talk about. Yeah, 
Yeah. We we've had, we've had discourse some, on this show. We've had some evenings where it's uh well actually I'm thinking of uh, just a couple of weeks ago when all I could think about was when is this going to end. <laughs> uh, but no, this has been fun. You really uh, if you're ever out our way, um, we'll talk after the show. Looking for another guest speaking gig. Um, I I have a a lodge that may may be interested in your services. I know you don't have anything else going on, but uh, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that afterward because I don't want to I don't want to sure. out us as being from the wrong part of Western Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right, uh, so brothers in the Valley of the North and the Valley of the South, and uh, John over there in the East. Um, is there anything else to to bring before this podcast before we turn off the lights and shut the doors? No. No. All right. Well, silence prevailing in all valleys. Thank you, uh, Father Tony, for joining us again. Uh, Let's try to make it not three years next time. Um, Yeah. That would be my pleasure. I'd love to come back. Yeah. Fascinating time. We fell into a bit of a rut with our uh, guests organization there for a bit, and uh, we were going down different paths. Didn't really know what we wanted to be when we grow up. Mm-hmm. And then John told us, uh, we're all going to be Yoanites. So this is what we do now. Yeah. So, then we got the Yoanite ringer in. Yeah. You're, you're welcome anytime. And, uh, thanks again for sharing us with us. Uh, best of luck with, uh, developing your, your lodge. And, um, I guess that's it for episode 239 or 40, depending on how many shows we bust out of John's visit. That's true. Uh, you can find the show notes for this or any previously published episode at www.afterlodge.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter at After Lodge. Shoot us an email at afterlodge at gmail.com. Hang out with us on IRC at irc.snoonet.org, pound sign Freemasonry. And yes, Snoonet is the official network of Reddit, where you can also find us on the Freemasonry and After Lodge subreddits. Um, and John and Father Tony can be found and contacted anywhere the Yoanite Gnostic Church is assembling in your town. Hmm. So if that's it. Uh, we'll see you next week, brothers. Later, guys. Pleasure. Good night.